Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. CM Punk, the punk. He's going to Wembley. He wants to fight Kenny, but he thinks he's a knob. AW <laughs> All In Preview coming to you from Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. We are previewing the All In event in London, England from Wembley Stadium this coming Sunday, August the 27th. Tagline, the biggest event in wrestling history. And I'm joined by the biggest Adam Colemark in wrestling history, <laughs> David Hall. What might be not just only the biggest AEW event of all time, but possibly the biggest wrestling event of all time. Well, I mean, if you look at the ticket sales, I mean, it's hard to argue against that. You know, 80 to 81,000 tickets sold, which has now eclipsed WrestleMania 32 as of last week. And that was reportedly 100,000, even though WWE has a habit of of inflating its figures. But yeah, it's going to be spectacular, both in terms of you know, crowd size and match quality. Yeah, absolutely. The first all-in was certainly uh, a groundbreaking event. It led to AEW. AEW using the spirit of all-in, as Tony Khan uh, said before, uh, to build this this absolutely monster main event. Now, it is going to be an undoubted financial success. There is storyline matches on the card, but I think people maybe think... As always with AEW, there's too much going on. Um, you know, when Wembley should be the focus, it should feel bigger than it is. Um, but before we get into that, just a reminder, a massive back catalogue, previews, reviews, interviews, and all the news. Uh, Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet, you'll find on iTunes, Spotify, and all good Android podcasting sites, and at Suplex, Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it. We are on it if you want to follow what we're up to at the weekend, because we are actually going... To yes. all in, David, you, me, seven other men crammed into a, an Airbnb. It's going to get sweaty. It's going to be big, meaty men bumping. So, oh. no, 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 don't, 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 don't say that at all. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> you can sleep in the bathroom then. Anyway, before, <laughs> um, so AW is going to be, I think we know that AW, if it wasn't for COVID, would have came to uh, the UK long before now. 
Um, but this All In is going to be the first wrestling event um, that they hold in the UK. It's going to be the first professional wrestling event held at the present Wembley Day, Wembley Stadium. The stadium itself is promoting it as part of the 100th anniversary of Wembley. Um, it's the first professional wrestling show in Wembley of any any design in over 30 years after SummerSlam. Uh, it set AEW's attendance and revenue record on the first day of sales alone, and it's estimated to make the break the paid attendance record for a professional wrestling event. A reported 80,846 tickets distributed as of August 18th, overtaking WrestleMania 32's record of 80,709. The event will generate an estimated live revenue gate of $9 million. This will overtake the record set by day two of Collision in Korea, an event co-promoted by WCW in New Japan, where the people of Korea were forced to go. If you want to know more about that event, what the dark side of the ring episode about is absolutely fascinating. But this is an undoubted financial success, and I've seen a lot of arguments online about AW um, you know, selling this and, you know, WWE, the WrestleMania tickets went on sale the other day. They sold that and, oh, well, WWE made more. Oh, but AEW's only doing one night. Oh, but WWE's doing this. Oh, but AEW's... This is an undeniable success and it also is really good for the UK because it shows the hunger to have an event over here. Absolutely, yeah. And I think it it was sort of part and fuel uh, John Cena's announcement at Money in the Bank for a potential WrestleMania in England, London specifically. But if anything, it just goes to show that there's a very, very high demand for this sort of event, you know, because it's not only just for the British fans, but European fans as a whole, you know, because it's much easier for them to fly from continental Europe to the UK. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, we spoke about this before. Um, I, I how, do, how do I word this? I think this is an undoubted success for AEW. I think it's an undoubted um, financial success for any wrestling promotion. It was a very optimistic move, and they've been proved right because WWE has had more than one opportunity to run Wembley. They chose to run the Principality Stadium in Cardiff. Uh, David, you obviously... Mm-hmm. Uh, at Clash of the Castle as were a few of the other boys on the podcast and obviously you had to fly to Bristol and then was it like buses and trains and then yeah. you know, as many places to eat, places to drink, places to stay so they chose to do somewhere else whether you know they were paid to do that and had you know a, a better financial uh, option to do so you know is, is up to them but Wembley Stadium was the obvious one. They then did Wembley Arena for Money in the Bank, uh, another show the again. Arena. The O2 Arena, sorry. Um, that instantly, you know, sold out. It showed the demand, it showed the hunger. I think WWE's hesitance is AEW's gain. And that's not a, a criticism of AEW, that's a criticism on WWE, who for years have took for granted the the massive fan base in Europe and the UK and it's going to be AEW that benefits from it uh, because they took the chance to run Wembley Stadium and over 80,000 fans so far have bought tickets. Mm-hmm. 
And you're not taking into account, you know, the amount of merch they're probably going to purchase as well. You know, a T-shirt and a hat would probably set you back about 20 quid each or something. And you've got at least 80,000 people reaching into their pockets, spending anywhere from like maybe 20 to 100 pounds just on merch and beers and whatnot. It not only is it beneficial for AEW, but City of London will benefit from tourism as a whole, as it's done, you know, throughout its throughout existence. So it's, it's another financial gain outside of ticket sales. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And I think from a criticism to a, a, from, of WWE to a criticism of AEW before we go into the actual card itself, um, <clears throat> there has been so much happening in AEW and we, we've discussed this on the, uh, on the show before where we talked about how when Vince left, with Stephanie running, you know, running the marketing stuff and Nick Khan running the finance and Triple H running the storylines and the day-to-day TV, WWE improved because it wasn't just one guy doing everything. AEW, since it's took on Ring of Honor and done more things and more shows and what have you, the the quality has decreased. And there's still quality there, and I'm not saying it's a bad show. I'm just saying that when one guy's trying so much that quality, you know, stuff does fall through the cracks and quality suffers. Uh, and it seems that with Forbidden Door and still try to promote All In in Chicago, uh, sorry, All Out in Chicago, and the launch of Collision and all the drama about CM Punk and you know, running other shows and what have you, it feels like, certainly in the past two weeks, that the build to Wembley has, you know, ramped right up. But it feels like this should be a WrestleMania. And by the way, before anyone gets on at me, I know WWE before have done shows, you know, like WrestleMania 31, I don't think the build was that great. And then the show, you know, knocks it out of the park. I have no doubt that this show is going to knock it out of the park. But yeah, what I my agree. thing was, was that a lot of Americans were quite annoyed that us British fans were saying, well, hold on, you know, it shouldn't be up to us and our great atmosphere and the atmosphere we're going to bring to this stadium show to to make the show. You know, it, it's, not up to the, it's not up to the fans to pop to make the show good. It's up to the show being good to make the fans pop that then raises the show's, you know, raises the show... Aye, raises the show's profile. Mm-hmm. And it seemed that for a while, AEW were just, they were trying too many things, and Wembley, Wembley wasn't um, an important thing. I think this show, now looking at the card, and we're going to uh, preview it in a minute, feels massive now, but it should have felt bigger for longer, if you get me. It's... Um, mm-hmm. It's a show. It's a. It's their WrestleMania. I don't think they'll ever run Wembley again because, as I said, WWE's hesitance is AEW's game. I think AEW have taken advantage for the hunger uh, for a massive stadium show at Wembley. I think they've done the right thing, chose choosing London because it's just so easy to get to. And yeah, I think it just it should feel bigger than it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had all this build to work with when they announced it months ago. I mean, when was it they announced it? Like, all the way back in March, April? 
um, I don't think it was his. It was when Nigel McGuinness came in. So Nigel McGuinness, I think, signed in. I think he signed WrestleMania weekend. Hold on. Um, oh no, yeah. was he? What's I do? Apologise. On April fifth, twenty twenty-three. Yeah, here. Uh, AEW announced it would drive all in for a new event. We all remember. Yeah, I mean, given that they've uh, advertised it from what fifth of April onwards, you know, that's four months to build up a really. A really good list of storylines, you know, both for main event and the undercard. Like the better than you, baby storyline's been going pretty well for a couple of months now, and it's it's shaping up to be a very uh, very storyline driven main event. Um, and it obviously it's good to see Adam Cole main eventing, you know, the biggest uh, the biggest wrestling show ever, which is great, and being on the pre show as well. So they're going to be. There's going to be a lot of storyline being told there, but when you've got names from across Ring of Honor, New Japan, and whatnot, and even in the the mid card scene or the tag team scene, you know, there's a lot of big names in there. But why they didn't build anything up beforehand is sort of beyond me. It's like it's like being on study leave for the last two months, but only cramming a lot of revision in in the last three days. That's what this card feels like. And then only now, when it comes to the eleventh hour, it almost feels like they're they're already prepared for it. Yeah, um, let's talk about um, the pre-show because a couple of matches that have been added, uh, well, what we'll do is see Aussie Open v MGF and Cole, we'll talk about that when we talk the main event, okay, we'll just do that as well, one thing, but Jack Perry versus Hook um, for the FTW Championship, Jack Perry defeating Hook for the title after turning on him at Forbidden Door. David Campbell's talked about this a lot, and I'm careful with my words here because I said something that (laughs) turned out to be a point someone else made, and he shouted at me for it. So, (laughs) uh, Jack Perry is the least interesting of the four pillars, I think. I I really do. I think, you know, Mick Foley-esque is Darby Allen. You know, he does these crazy stunts and all that, and it gets a reaction for the crowd. MGF, we know all about MGF. Sammy Guevara is an amazingly good-looking man who winds everyone up. Um, so they all have something. Jack Perry doesn't, and I don't think we would view Jack Perry as a pillar of AEW unless he was billed as such. I, I just don't. However, someone like Hook, I think Hook was red hot. He was doing the squash matches. He was getting a crowd reaction. Um, he had the FTW Championship. But then so often, and we mentioned it about things falling through the cracks, Hook was one of those things. Rampage was meant to be his show. And then when Rampage took a nosedive, they just stopped booking Hook. And, you know, he was away on dark and dark elevation. And it was just... It wasn't great, you know. He had such potential, and he just took him off TV and wasted it. And then now, I don't think he'll ever get to that sort of overstage again. And this, to me, is someone and Jack Perry, who's had multiple opportunities at the limelight despite not being good enough, and someone like Hook, who should have been thrust into the limelight, but instead was kept off TV. And now people have lost interest in him. And, you know, the whole FTW Championship, 
the the Team Taz thing, you know, when I think it was uh, Brian Cage who gave it to, and then Hobbs wins it, then Ricky Starks wins it, then Hook wins it. That that all felt, you know, that was all in that stable, you know what I mean? Whereas now it just feels like this is Hook's belt. It's like the million dollar title. It's this is Hook's belt. He's going to win it back. We only had him lose it so he could win it back here, sort of thing. And it's a title win that doesn't really affect storytelling and just kind of pops the crowd. I think that's all this is going to be, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, obviously from his days in ECW, you know, it's it had purpose there. But in AEW, it just feels a little bit out of place. But that's not to say, you know, the, the title holders haven't had a good run with it because the longest title reign was Ricky Starks at 378 days. The shortest so far outside of Jack Perry was Hook at 357 and one other fact is that the title has always changed hands uh in the month of july for the past three years yeah i'm looking at that brian cage awarded the title in july ricky starks won hook won uh, jack perry won but like that was the thing they didn't defend this title it wasn't uh yeah i'm this champion now and i want to defend it with my life hook did but then they didn't i don't think they took advantage of it and I think this is one of those things where if, say, Taz was a authority figure, say on Collision or something like that, and it was a Collision type, you know what I mean? And he decided the rules and, you know, he... So, like, the storyline of Jack Perry threatening to retire the title so he can become the last ever champion and all that. I... I, I, I see where they're going with it, and I do like it, and Hook's, you know, I want my belt back, but at the same time, if someone like Taz was like, no, actually, I'm the general manager, and I, I own the rights to the FTW title, so I'll be saying that these are the matches sort of thing, that could add to the FTW, even as a commentator, just like, listen, I am I'm the owner of this title, or, you know, I am the general manager of this title, I'll decide who it's defended against, and blah, and it meant it would mean the heels couldn't get away with doing what Jack Perry does, but people like Hook, who are trying to defend it, they they really don't need him. So it means that Taz isn't overexposed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it would add yeah. to it. But I just... It's a title that I don't think is relevant anymore. You know, it's it's been in AEW since 2020. It's two guys I don't feel really are being used to their potential, and it's just, I can see why this was one of the matches chosen to be moved to the buy-in, you know what I mean? That's yeah. just one of those things. It just feels like something to get the crowd going, you know, it's, uh, and it's sort of like for a practically redundant championship at this point, because there's no, there's, AEW hasn't really done a lot of prestigious things with it. Uh, it almost feels like uh, AEW's version of the 24-7 title. You know, it's just another title that's just sitting there not doing anything and, you know, it doesn't do any anything for the people holding it. I think this is the thing uh, when we talk about AEW, the relationship with New Japan and the, the Ring of Honor. It's a separate thing, but it's with us, but it's on our show, but it's not our show. Um, if you just had the tag, the trios, the women, the two women's titles, the two tag titles and the the world and the, is it the TNT? TNT, yeah. So six titles. 
a, a title at FTW has a place on the card. But when you're bringing the Ring of Honor World Tag Titles in, and you're bringing in, you know, we we see that a uh, what's his face, QT Marshall, is defending the the AAA Latin American title, and you know, there's people defending New Japan titles. When stuff like that comes in, it's just like, oh my god, how how many titles is there? You know, uh-huh. I think keeping Ring of Honor titles on Ring of Honor and limiting the amount of titles on EW would make the FTW Championship feel bigger. But I've talked about this match more than I want to. Who do you think's winning? I think Hook, just to get a big pop for the crowd. I think so too. I mean, I think Jack Perry needs to be knocked down a peg again, and Hook feels better with the FTW title at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Let's talk about... So we have one, two, three, four, five, five title matches on a nine-match main show card, we have FTR going up against the Young Bucks for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. Fatal four-way match for the AEW Women's Championship, Karashida, Tony Storm, Saria, and Britt Baker. Darby Allen and Sting going up against Mogul Embassy's Deed Dads <laughs> Alliance. And <laughs> <laughs> a match. The Golden Elite of Kota Ibushi, Kenny Omega, and Adam Page going up against Takesha and Bullet Club, Club Gold members. Juice Robinson and Jay White. Stadium AKA Stampede. Grant, Grant McRobbie's wet dream right there. Wait, I don't know. Stadium Stampede, <laughs> Eddie Cassidy, the best friends, and Penta El Zero going up against the Blackpool Combat Club and Pride and uh, Proud and Powerful. Will Osprey taking on Chris Jericho. Punk versus Joe for the Real World Championship. House of Black versus Billy Gunn and the acclaimed show stealer for the AEW World Trios <laughs> Championship. And obviously, as we mentioned, the main event, uh, Mike, Adam, Michael Cole, I, Adam Cole, Michael Cole, baby! Baby! <laughs> and MGF for the actual World Championship. Dave, other than the main event, where would you like to start? Ooh, let's start with Will Osprey versus Chris Jericho. Osprey versus Chris Jericho. This is a match I was very critical about when it was first announced. However, I now am on board with it. And it's been clear the reasoning. Don Callis feels betrayed that Chris Jericho would turn him down to be part of you know the Don Callis family after everything that they went through. Looks like Chris Jericho, I think they know, with Judas... Uh, with, um, with Fozzie performing Judas Live, I think they know Chris Jericho is going to get an amazing reception. They are turning him more face. You know, the Jericho Appreciation Society is no more. But he still can't get rid of Sammy Guevara for some reason. Chris <laughs> <laughs> Jericho um, is getting a face reaction. But then Will Ospreay saying, I want to be the first guy in a two-month period to be Omega, Okada, and Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho tweeting out, don't take me lightly, Will Osprey saying, trust me, I'm fucking not. Um, this is, I think this is going to be a great match. It's going to be, it's going to be a clash of styles. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to this match now. This, I didn't think I'd be saying that at the, Aye. at the start of the month, but Will Osprey, Chris Jericho, I'm really looking forward to. Honestly, Fozzie, you know, playing Judas live with Jericho making his entrance, I think is going to be something that the UK fan base is going to remember for their lifetime. You know, that 
that sing-along alone with 81,000 people singing Judas word for word, it's going to top, you know, Cardiff singing Metalingus. It's going to top London singing uh, Kingdom by for Cody Rhodes. This, I think the height, the entrances alone will get the crowd going and I think the, the rest will just follow suit. It's But the promo they did this week on Dynamite, uh, that got me in the mood because it felt real, you know, with Jericho saying, you know, he called Caldwell Osprey, says, look out for, look after, like, don't do anything too crazy because you're going to, you're going to ruin your whole career. But Will Osprey saying, well, I can't stop. I've got a wife, a stepson to think about. I'm doing an indie show the night before, which is true. Like, he's doing double duty this weekend uh, for different promotions. So I think the promo, the performance of Fozzie definitely will get this across the finish line. But I think the match, hopefully, well, it might not be the best on the card match quality wise, potentially. It's it's going to be one to remember, that's for sure. Absolutely, really looking forward to that one. And as you said, the the Judas um, performance before it. Do you know? Mm. I I would love to see Judas performed live, but do you know what would make Osprey the biggest heel in London? So see before, yeah, see before he could even say a word, he hits him. Literally, you know, you've got the big open dun 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 dun, dun. Before mm. he even gets the tail up, just bang, hits him in the back of the head. I mean, punch the drummer, why not? Just have a, have a right good go at Chris Jericho's bandmates. Is, 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 Brett Michael still, is Brett Michael still a member of Fozzie? So? Is that the one, the blonde one with the long hair? Aye, I know, him. I know Jericho's blonde with long hair. I mean, the other, <laughs> the other I one. Know, I, I know that's not. Um, I know that doesn't narrow things down as well. Like, who's the one with the long blonde hair and that heavy metal band? All oh, right, it's him. <laughs> no, I know Rich Ward. That's who I was thinking of. No, I don't know who's still there. Who did you say? Brett Michaels. Brett Michaels. He is not. No. Oh well. Because I remember he was oh. part of them when they uh, released Enemy, but that was all the way back in two thousand five. No, it must be long gone by then. They've went through about 12 changes since then. But Don Callis, Don Callis for Chris Jericho. Will Ospreay versus Chris Jericho in a custody of Don Callis match. Who do you see coming out the winner here? Ooh. I'm actually going to go with Osprey here. I think Osprey. he needs a win in front of, yeah, he needs it in front of the UK crowd. And I think Jericho isn't too impacted by a loss here. But I think, you know, I think everyone knows about Will Ospreay's that Will Ospreay is a New Japan guy and, you know, he has done these massive shows at the Tokyo Dome. He's former IWGP champion. I don't think he needs the the big win. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's uh, to pop the crowd again. I think Chris Jericho. I'm going to go Chris Jericho. Fair enough. Uh, right. I am going to pick a match now and it's oh the main, real main event, Billy Gunn and everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> And the can I just, Memorial. Sorry, on you go. I was going to say, can I just point out to, to the listeners, uh, you and I are actually going to be sat next to each other along with Scott and Tom for the for where we're sat. And I swear to God, I'm expecting a massive pop from you when you hear Billy Gunn's music, if it plays. Or just, just when he comes out in general. Yeah, just hold the people in front of me are wearing rain jackets. Anyway... <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, so this was um, a few weeks ago on Collision. The acclaimed and Daddy Ass went up against the House of Black. House of Black winning. Billy Gunn looking like he was going to retire. Um, no one heard from him. House of Black have been holding funerals for Billy Gunn's career. Um, they attacked the acclaimed this week on uh, Dynamite, only for Billy Gunn to make the save and challenge them for the Trios World Championship at All In. I know Grant McRobbie is a massive Malachi Black fan, a massive House of Black fan. However, with All Out the week later, I think that the FTW Championship and the Trios Championship are going to be the two titles that change hands. Sort of like, see when WWE used to come in the UK and it would be the European and the hardcore title that changed hands. I think that's what's going to happen here. I think, again, just to pop the crowd, pop the crowd, brother, um, Billy Gunn and the Acclaimed are going to win the AEW Trios Championships. I agree. Yeah, I think it's the Acclaimed and Billy Gunn are going to get it. Okay, I'm just putting your predictions for this down. Uh, who did you say? Did you hit Hook for the first match, didn't you? Yeah, I said Hook, yeah. And you went Osprey for the... I went Osprey for him versus Jericho. Jericho. I'm just going for Pops after Pops, brother. Pop the crowd. <laughs> Pop the territory. Um, let's talk about the Deep Dar Alliance. Let's talk about... Christian Cage and Swerve Strickland going up against Sting and Darby Allen in a coffin match. I feel bad for AR Fox. A week before Wembley, <laughs> you've been on over the marquee and you're now being told, oh, by the way, you're not getting the match here. It's going to Christian because Christian's never never fought in front of a large crowd before. <laughs> uh, it's not like he hasn't competed at WrestleMania half a dozen times before. And... Um, you know, he's not like he's getting major heat at the minute by insulting people's dead spout, dead uh, parents, etc. But can we just look on the bigger side here? We're going to see Sting live. I mean, like, ages ago, you never thought you would have seen that. You know, given that, you know, he was mostly retired or potentially, you know, forced, forced out due to injury. But let that sink in. You know, albeit, you know, he's... He's not in his prime anymore. He's no spring chicken, but it's still, it's, it's Sting! It's Sting! Sting. And I, I don't want to, you know, put Sting in your excitement here. But I saw Sting at a TNA house show in 2013. Oh, fuck off. I saw, um, it was later revealed to be Mike Knox and Devon Dudley when they were doing Aces and Eights. I saw Mike Knox and Devon Dudley wrestle it was. It was Kurt Angle and Sting in a tag team cage match. That was the main event of that house show. Fair enough. That was a great house show. Do you know the only thing about it was they they set the cage up for the main event. They didn't go, oh, you know, we're going to make it the first half, you know, we'll make it the first half main event or we'll set it up while a promo's going on or something like that. No, they just went, we're going to assemble the cage. It'll take 15 minutes. <laughs> and came over the tannoy five times going, the cage will be assembled in five minutes. And I think a bit towards the end, it was almost as if he was going, move your arse to the ring crew. <laughs> but yeah, Darby Allen and Sting going up against uh, Swerve and Christian. 
a massive spotlight for uh, Swerve Strickland, uh, <clears throat> who many obviously thought he was maybe underutilised in NXT. I know he's a former North American champion, mm-hmm. but maybe underutilised in NXT and didn't really get a crack at the main roster. Darby yeah, Allen. He, he got fucked over as part of Hit Row. Yeah. Darby Allen. Um, one of the pillars of AEW, and again getting another massive spotlight, and it's just every time you think they've run this well dry with Sting, another big match is announced. And you know what? I I love Christian. I love Christian. I'm so as much as I feel bad for AR Fox, I am very glad that we are going to get to see Turtleneck Christian. And <laughs> I'm more excited about Turtleneck Christian than I am about Sting. Ah. <laughs> uh. It would be good to see see Christian as well. But, you know, the first time I saw Christian live, actually, now that we're doing stories of house shows, first time I saw him was 2005 WrestleMania Revenge Tour, Royal Highland Centre in Edinburgh. He was in a triple threat match with Jericho and Shelton Benjamin for the Intercontinental title. Nope, and I was at the I was on the, the ramp seat, so I had a I was within an arm's reach of him and stuff, and that's when he was still wearing the, the glitter hoodies and stuff. And he came out to <laughs> Uh, just close your eyes. So I mean, it's it's almost come full circle. But you know, eighteen years since I saw, first saw him live, he's be a good chance to see him again. Well, he's fifty this year. He's grown up. He's one turtle next now. He's a grown up. <laughs> he's become. <laughs> he, he's found. He's, he found Andy Mitchell's wardrobe. <laughs> Entering his uh, his um, Fraser Crane era. Um, <laughs> Darby Allen and Sting, I believe, are undefeated as a tag team I do not see that changing especially with uh, Darby going up against Luchasaurus for the TNT Championship mm-hmm. Yeah I think Darby Allen and Sting are winning this you know we could get some potential interference from Luchasaurus that'll uh, uh, add fuel to, the, to that feud there but I think uh, Darby and Sting I think will have the edge on this one I quite liked it. like the the build up for this. It was really just Swerve being a bit jealous because they kind of came from the same independent you know scene. Um, they did a lot of things at like local indie shows for this, and I think that's quite cool. Like not because, mm-hmm. and I've criticised AW for the past, you know. Oh, you know you don't get well. Yeah, yeah, you don't get this. You need to watch this. You need to watch that. No, they made it part of the storyline. And they involved Nick Wayne in it, and, you know, they actually showed it on AEW TV. It wasn't just a, oh, check the internet out, you might know this. So that, I thought that was quite cool, and it's, it's quite a good thing for, you know, local promoters, just maybe a wee call, hey, by the way, do you mind if we send Sting tonight? Oh, fucking yes. Fuck oh, yeah. <laughs> Chance your arm, can I get Joe as well? <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, yeah, really looking forward to this match. I think Darby and Sting uh, have it in the bag. Let's talk a match. If I wasn't going, I'd be looking forward to it, but I am going and I'm not. I, I, I know that sounds weird. <laughs> Stampede. No, it's, it's, it's one of those matches, there's too much going on. It's not uh, a, a last crowd enjoyment match. It's a cinematic it's a match. match. Yeah, it's a cinematic match. I do like the fact that, you know, Blackpool Combat Club had to find three partners but then when Ray Phoenix was denied entry, they just went, oh, Santana Ortiz, and got them back together. Delighted to see them teaming again. 
Although one of them did look like Bo Dallas this week when he made his <laughs> Yes. And yeah, I, I saw a, I saw there was a post on social media that said Bo Dallas is all elite. And I was like, what? And I had to, I had to do a double take. <laughs> I watched that video four times before I saw the Santana in the background to realise it was Pride and Powerful's like, uh, Titantron. But he mm. looks like Bo Dallas. <laughs> but yeah, this one's going to be a bit wild. Um, unfortunately, Daniel Bryan, out injured, can't beat Wembley. Shame. But this this will be a massive match, but I, I just think it's going to be one of those ones. It's going to be wild when you see you know everyone make their entrance and the crowd's going to be really up for it, and then it's just going to... You'll hear a pin drop when everyone's just like, where the... Fuckers. And you'll just <laughs> where are we supposed to look? Do you know that way when you're watching at home and you just see all the crowd like turn to the entrance ramp because they see someone running down, or mm-hmm. they, or you just hear like one. It's like section four of the crowd has popped. Oh, they must be fighting in the crowd, or someone's coming through the crowd. That's where you're just going to hear just small snippets. Yeah. Oh. oh. It's going to be like. It, it, it makes you wonder what section of the crowd, you know, maybe Blackpool Combat Club comes out to, because obviously Moxley makes his entrance from the crowd, etc. So, but in an 80,000 plus seater stadium, you know, they could come from literally anywhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to me, this is a. This, this will be a fun TV match and it'll be fun to watch back. I just really. I'm not looking forward to it just for the simple fact that, like, the, the previous stadium stampedes have been so good, but they've been elsewhere. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? It's been good because they were backstage. Yeah. And it's been I'll, good. Hold, I'll hold judgment on this one, I think, because it might just surprise us, but I think the logistics of it might be a bit difficult to follow. Yeah, absolutely. Who do you think is going to win? Uh, the best friends or the Blackpool Combat Club? Ooh... Tough one to say, but I'm going to go with Blackpool Combat Club. Blackpool Combat. Because, obviously, they lost blood and guts. Yeah. They they won the first feud against the Golden Elite. So, I think they need to bounce back a little bit, and I think they need a win here. Yeah, I I agree with you. Um, as well, like, this is one team of three, and then a tag team, as opposed to just, like, Eddie... Uh, Penta and then a trio, you know what I mean? It's, it's. Yeah. If it was, um, if it was the three best friends plus, um, Penta and Ray Phoenix, then it would have made more sense. You completely missed my hangover reference, but that's fine. Oh, sorry. (laughs) That's alright. Um, no, no, I absolutely get what you mean. Um, disappointed not to see Pac in this. Um, Mm -hmm. I thought Ray Phoenix would be replaced. I thought Pac would be there. Um, but yeah, disappointing. I did love his, and I'm just going to give a shout out to his promo before, uh, I think it was Death Before Dishonor, where he fought, uh, Claudio. And he just goes, by the way, Blackpool's a shithole. You should be ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's the best fucking line ever. And I sent it to, <laughs> sent it to Gary Kernahan because I was like, no offence to anyone listening from Blackpool, but, well, I mean, you live there, you know. We were leaving Blackpool after the first, uh, after the takeover homecoming. The UK takeover, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the UK takeover. Um, Walter's debut one. 
And he just looked what a at woman. And he just went, this place is a dump, isn't it? And he said it so loud. And I was like, thank God there is no one here, but yes. Oh. oh. And yet you went back the following year. I, I didn't. I didn't. He did. Oh, shame. Right. He oh, went back. I, I really wish I was at the second one, though, because that's when Undisputed Era showed up. Yeah, well, you'll be there now when Adam Cole's there. I think there Yeah, that's true. I'll allow that. A bit of jiggery-pokery uh, regarding Roderick Strong, which we might talk about later on. Um, what would you like to talk about next? We have the tag titles, oh. the titles, the Golden Elite six-person tag, or we have the Real World Championship. What would you like to discuss? I want to do the one that I've been most looking forward to for some time, and that's FTR versus the Bucks. Right, you, you take us away. Yeah, so I mean, these guys have, are basically in the rubber match stage. You know, it's two of the best teams that AEW has to offer. You know, proper tag team wrestling at its finest with these these two teams. You know, I think these these guys, along with the Usos, I think, could be argued that they're the best tag teams in, in wrestling today. Um the Bucks always seem to entertain, you know, despite their backstage grievances and politics and what have you. But when you watch them in the ring, they can fucking go. And the same with FTR back in the days of Black and Gold NXT. You know, we had the two out of three falls in Toronto, which was pure, just, just it was liquid gold, that uh, that match. And there's no doubt in my mind, you know, they've spent all these years as a tag team going in as the champions I think this match is just going to deliver, you know, despite, you know, the hard times that Cash Wheeler's been uh, been dealing with as of late. Uh, you know, I just hope when in they're, when they're in that moment, I think they'll just shoot their shot and um, just deliver, like, a good quality tag team wrestling match. Choose your words carefully there, we shoot your shot. Um... Yeah, yeah that, was, that was intentional, by the way. Cash Wheeler, a real shoot wrestler. Um, <laughs> I just, fire, just, just, just keep firing from the head. <laughs> what I love about this is it is two teams you mentioned, two teams that could go down in history. It's two teams that have never, ever wanted to split up. They are tag team wrestlers and they are proud of it. Um, they are in the rubber match. It was the dream match for years. Um, and again, WWE's hesitance was AEW's game. And AEW gave the fans what they wanted. They didn't make them wait long. Um, and yeah, it, there's been a lot of animosity backstage. There's been a lot of, there's a lot of real life stuff coming into this. I, I talked about the lack of, um, on, uh, online, on screen storytelling, but it's well known that FTR and CM Punk are good friends and they all get along. And you know, Ed, is it Dax? Dax is the bald one, isn't it? Yes. Dax Hardwood on his podcast, you know, put Punk over and said he, he hoped that stuff could be resolved and, you know, he had no problem with Punk and really enjoyed working with him. There was all the stories about the, what was it? It was the, the Young Bucks refusing to do the rub, uh, the rematch because they didn't want it put over FTR. Again, it was an online internet story with Young Buck fans, so don't come at me. I really don't care if it's true or not, because I'm getting to see this match now. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is the rubber match, one apiece, Wembley Stadium. I would love to see this open the show. I think this is the mm. perfect set the tone and raise the bar for everyone else being like, Here, here's the bar, try to clear it. Yeah, 
I would, I'd like to see this be the first match on the main card, and then maybe Stadium Stampede could be the halfway main event just to really get the crowd up and running. Um, I'm wondering if maybe Golden Elite should go before or after the Stadium Stampede. Maybe it could be the second to or the third to last match before the penultimate match in the main event. But hard to say, really. But I think. You can't be a good solid opening tag team match to start you off, and I think this will really, really get the crowd going. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm torn who I want to see win. No, you know what? I am firmly FTR. I want FTR to win. Yeah? Yeah. You're going FTR, or you're going Young Bucks. I'm going the Bucks. Oh, boo! <laughs> I don't know. This, this, is, this is instinct alone. Like, I mean, I would have just done a coin toss if I had to. Like, this is, that's the way I'm going with this. Call yourself a black and gold fan. Despicable, despicable. Yeah, 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 yeah. I never said I wasn't against FTR. I'm just saying I'm just trying to think in the mind of the booker, the bookers here. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Like, I, listen, if I get a, a good match and get every prediction wrong, I really don't yeah. care. I just want, yeah, exactly. I wouldn't care about, you know, winning sweeps or draft points or whatever. I just want to see a very good wrestling show. And there's no doubt that these two teams, you know, whatever position they are on the cards, they will deliver a brilliant match. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, from, I, I think we've been pretty positive, you know, about the whole card. You know, we've been honest about the lack of build, but then... The lack of build over months and then the, you know, here's everything in the space of like two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one thing I am really disappointed about on this card, and it is the six-person tag, it's Kota Bushi, Kenny Omega, Adam Page versus Takesha and uh, Bullet Club Gold, mainly because I just feel... It, uh, we, we talked before about how with All Out the week after, it felt like they were using All In as sort of a, a house show. Mm-hmm. It's like, build, it's like the 90,000-seater stadium show isn't on pay-per-view, and it's, it's you know, it's it was mostly tag matches before a, a fair few singles matches got added. And, yeah, it looks like Abushi v, v uh, Takesha is, I, I pronounce his name a different way every time. Uh, just, Kanosuke Takeshita. I think uh, that's how you pronounce it. It's spelt take shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's all I can do not to fucking say it like that. But <laughs> the the Ibushi, uh, sorry, the, the Omega feud is with Takesha. Um, and, yeah, you, you come to these shows, AEW's build and AEW's, Marketing is the fact that they have these people. These people like Kenny Omega. Mm-hmm. You want to see them in a in a singles match at a show of this magnitude. And I listen. I like Tabushi in the the Cruiserweight Classic. It was when I was first introduced to him. I've seen a lot mm-hmm. of his work in New Japan uh, at the bigger shows. Uh, he's obviously since left New Japan, but the the whole, oh, here's a bushy. It's as if they wheel him out every so often, like a, a guest character on a sitcom. Mm-hmm. It lost the appeal to me. I, I'm really not interested in seeing a bushy. I want to see Omega. I want to see Omega in a singles match. And to be honest, 
I would have gladly watched Kenny Omega versus Jay White because I think he's another person wasted on this card and has been wasted since he come, he's came to AEW. This feels like, you know, just the, the match where you try and get as many big names on the card as possible, but there's no way to define the story with them at this stage. So let's just put them all in the same match and just hope that, you know, the shite will stick to the shovel, essentially. It's the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle. <laughs> with, with, argu- with arguably one of the greatest wrestlers of the past decade in Kenny Omega with that outstanding series in New Japan against Okada. Then you've got Hangman Page, former AEW champion, Kota Bushi, you know, world-renowned competitor, you know, in the, in New Japan, etc. Has he won the G1 Climax as well? Who? Uh, Omega? Ibushi. 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 I think Ibushi's won it more than once. Yeah. Uh, but Bullet Club Gold, you know, again, this is like, it almost feels like the New Japan match with, you know, with a guest appearance from Hangman Page a little bit. No, he, so, was, well, he won quite a oh, bit. Oh, was he? All right. All right. So this is like, this is like just the New Japan match then. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I think you won a couple of yeah, six. It's, yeah, it's a, it's, a so, new, it's a New Japan match on an AEW card. Yeah, basically. It's, um, it, it is, a lot of that story is taken from New Japan. And whereas I praised um, the Darby Allen Swerve Strickland feud for bringing, you know, the, the indie jealousy onto the screen, I don't think they brought the 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 New Japan aspect onto the screen, you know what I mean? It's just very much like, mm-hmm. hey, remember when I teamed with this guy in New Japan? Hey, remember that you came from New Japan? Yeah, it's just sort of that. So, yeah. I think the Golden Elite will win. I think Takesha will avoid contact with Kenny Omega again. You know, I know Don Callis took him out of the, uh, I was going to say War Games, Blood and Guts. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I see a Golden Elite victory and nothing else same. here. Yeah, same. Yeah, and um, I think you're going to see Omega verse, uh, get his singles match the next week uh, all out, and that kind of just annoys me. Mm. I mean, why not give that match to the 80,000-plus stadium show? It's it's beyond, it's beggar's belief at this point. Yeah, um, and uh, like I said, I think we've been very honest where, you know, it's, been, it's a, going to be a financial success. It's going to be a great show. Maybe the build hasn't been the best, but there is some really interesting stuff on here. You know, we've been very, very complimentary about the trios match, Jericho Osprey, the coffin match, um, the tag match. We've raised our concerns about Stadium Stampede, but I think this is the first one where we've just kind of went, look, this, this is a waste of every person involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, still potential to get a good match out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about the real world championship. Let's talk CM Punk versus uh, Joe. Samoa Joe will be accompanied by all 97 people that CM Punk is banned from appearing on Collision. <laughs> Alright, they get a lumberjack match. Oh, Jesus. They'd just drag him out of the ring, wouldn't they? Aye, <laughs> yeah. And just, yeah. just beat him down. Let, let's talk about punk. You know what I mean? Let's let's talk about this. Uh, what's what? punk up to? Yes, this. Uh, <laughs> I remember seeing a kayfabe news article years ago, and it just said Scott Steiner presumably doing something weird somewhere. 
And it's all I think about when I see CM Punk now. CM Punk, more than likely in an argument right now, um, whether it be with a wrestler or the man that got his Starbucks order wrong, he's, he's in an argument with someone right now. Um, <laughs> CM Punk apparently is the reason Ryan Nemeth was not allowed on Collision. He apparently took took umbrage with a tweet that he sent out saying CM Punk was the softest man alive. Um, mm, that could be interpreted in so many ways. We're going to move on, David. Um, <laughs> then he took umbrage with uh, Christopher Daniels, Christopher Daniels, who is the head of talent relations, by the way, mm. being allowed backstage at Collision, saying that well, the face still can't be at Collision, neither should Daniels, because Daniels was part of the brawl out if brawl out fallout, try saying that ten times fast. <laughs> um, and the all out brawl out fallout, there we are. Perfect. <laughs> um, but yeah, this, uh, I think when all out, you know, and the, the fallout for the brawl out, I'm falling off, I'm having a stroke here. <laughs> <laughs> it's stuck in your head now, isn't it? Uh, when all that happened, I think we all just kind of took a step back and some of us maybe when, oh, I'm a punk fan, so I think punk's in the right. Oh, I'm an elite fan, so I think the elite are in the right. But I think most of us took a step back and went, we'll never really know what happened. But it seems like everyone's been a bit of a knob here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. More the more that punk has a pop at Hangman when the show goes off air, the more that punk stops people who the elite hired from appearing at shows, the more that the sugar goes on. You are just like, I just think all the blames with punk now. It's just, it's like, it's like a friend of yours who maybe has a few too many drinks. Maybe a couple of times after nights out, they're like, they take things a bit too far. And you just kind of say to them, it's getting harder and harder to defend you. Stop being an asshole. It's like the Jim Carrey clip in Liar Liar. Stop breaking the law, asshole! (laughs) It is just, there's so many things you just want to give Punk a shake and say, calm it down, mate. (laughs) Just, did he be a dick? Yeah, no, absolutely. Don't don't be a dick. Don't be a dick, yeah. Just say that to everybody. (laughs) But yeah, it just... I I will say this, though. I mean, as much as I care less about the real world championship, because, I mean, it's a, it just feels like a mockery at this point, you know, that that's actually happening. But if he comes out to cult of personality, I reckon... I, I don't know if it's going to be as good as, Ju- as Judas, but it'll still be pretty damn good. I actually saw a post, I believe it was on a... On an AEW fan page, and you know, it's been going nuts the past couple of days because we are getting closer to Wembley and what have you, but I seen a post and it said, so what are we thinking? Are we booing Punk this weekend? And it had, at the time, it's probably got more comments now, but it had 16 comments on it and everyone said, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> it was, so I, I think the more things have went on, the more people have kind of just taken the side of the elite. Mm-hmm. And you can't really blame them, considering punks carry on. I am on the opposite side of you, though, when we come back to the matches here. The real world championship thing, I think, is great. I love it because he didn't lose the title. 
So he right. is the so he can still proclaim he is the champion. I loved it when Shawn Michaels done it. I loved it when Sami Zayn done it. The best version of it, I think, has been Moose in Impact Wrestling. Back when mm-hmm. they were going through the pandemic, uh, and you know all the ugliness happened with um, Tessa Blanchard. I I really liked how he basically said, "I am your world champion now." Like he proclaimed himself world champion and started walking about with the belt, and he defended it. He defended it against people. He That's wasn't afraid. Yeah. I I then he ended up having a title v title match against Rich Swan, and I thought that was great. So and it basically it it allowed to, obviously I'm not punks had about ten world title runs across multiple promotions, but it put. Moose into the forefront and it got the crowd used to see him as a world champion and then, you know, it furthered the storyline when he eventually did become world champion. But with Punk, I like the storyline because he didn't lose the title and if he's going on with this I'm tired of being nice and all that attitude, why not? Why not? Go go all in, pardon the pun, and be mm-hmm. a total bit on screen and off. He does feel more, he does feel better as a heel, even if he's rubbing people the wrong way. No, yeah, I absolutely agree. And he is, he has that sort of, he has that cult of personality. He is that annoying, divisive figure. So, yeah, plus, I am delighted to see Joe versus Punk, just as a match itself. Joe versus mm. Punk. Absolutely sensational. Who do you have coming out the top? I'm going to go CM Punk. I am also having CM Punk. You know, we'll, go, uh, we'll do a round a round trip to Ring of Honor here a little bit. You know, from 20 years ago, and they're still going at it. <laughs> I know it's weird, isn't it? You know, like obviously they were in Ring of Honor, but then Punk couldn't be in TNA because. Like, you can't have a Ring of Honor on a TNA contract, that's what they were saying at the time. Mm-hmm. And then he went to ECW slash WWE. To WWE, he goes, uh, Joe stays in Impact, and then when Joe eventually makes it there, and was it 2015? 2015, yeah. Punk has just left a year prior in 2014. So for years, you know, they kind of played chicken with each other, and now, you know, we're going to... I know we've seen it. You know, we saw the... The Own Heart Invitational uh, semi-final, but yeah, I am. Um, I'm delighted to see them. Would you call? It? I'm delighted to see them getting this big stage and it's for a world championship. <laughs> Is it? Mm. <laughs> I'll uh, quote unquote a world championship. A world champion, yes. Um, I will let you, while I take down the predictions, I will let you start talking and previewing the Fatal 4-Way for the AEW's Women's Championship, Karashida, Tony Storm, Saraya, and Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, Fatal 4-Way. Yes. So this match came about from a world championship qualifier. Um, for some reason, Tony Storm, one of the challengers, got a bypass to the, to the final. Like, why Karashida didn't just be the one to get that bypass as the champion is, is beyond me, but she did have a title defense against Anna Jay as one of the qualifiers, so I suppose that kind of uh, takes care of that. But it's a no-brainer to also have Soraya, who is obviously from, from Norwich, you know, she gets to perform as a Brit in front of her home country, kind of like what Drew did, albeit, you know, he was in Wales, but still the UK, so I suppose that's what matters. Uh, 
and of course Dr. Britt Baker as well. You know, someone who I think has carried or has been the constant factor of the AEW women's division throughout. As probably the most reliable talent in the in the women's division is Dr. Britt. But two out of the three outcasts as well in Saray and Tony Storm, it's gonna be interesting to see, you know, how they they get along in this match, given that only one of them can walk away with the title. You know, Hikaru Shida almost feels like the um, the underdog here a little bit, you know, even though she's going in as the champion. But she did win the title just a few weeks back after returning from uh, a good lengthy period away. So, I mean, the odds don't favour Hikaru Shida in this one, but I have a sneaking suspicion that she is going to walk away with the title, you know, despite, you know, Soraya being... The hometown favourite, Dr. Britt Baker probably being the logistical favourite. And I think there's potential for dissension in the ranks between Saray and Tony Storm in this match. You know, who's they're going to argue over who who wins the championship. And that will open the door for Shida or Baker to, to get the advantage here. Uh, just on the Tony Storm point there, I think she did use her contractually obligated rematch. Mm. To get into the, and I actually think that's a really smart heel thing to do. I really do yeah. like that. I think Anna G, did she not win an opportunity at the title? I think she did, yeah, but I can't remember when exactly that was. Before Karashida won the title, so I think she wanted to honour the, mm-hmm. the title. So it was a case of, right, cool, whatever one of you guys wins, you get to go to Wembley. So I, mm. I do like when we did that there, because um, it, it it's one of those things that makes the champ look better and it makes Tony Storm it makes Tony Storm look like an even more cowardly heel sort of thing Mm -hmm. yeah I mean the heel heel tactics go it's definitely the best thing they could have done and Hikaru Shida obviously being a noble champion you know she defends the title against uh, somebody who has earned the opportunity and it just so happened to be a qualifier to get to Wembley so I suppose you're kind of killing two birds with one stone there but a part of me still saying it's too soon for Shida to drop the title, despite you know all the momentum being behind being behind Soraya. I, I I fear that this because it's the only women's match on the card as well. I worry that you know this could p- potentially be the piss break match. No, I think I'm going to the toilet at Stadium Stampede because I might actually see more of the match. To be honest with you, <laughs> <laughs> that's actually smart thinking. But. Yeah, no, I, I, I do agree. I think it's too soon for Hikaru Shida to win it. She obviously won it on the 200th edition of Dynamite. And, yeah, just I think I think all signs, I think a lot of people think, much like with Drew beforehand, that was Drew because my voice broke like a 14-year-old teenage boy. <laughs> Drew! <laughs> a lot uh, like with Drew beforehand, all signs point to her winning, but, you know, we've been wrong before. And I, I just think, I just think it's uh, too obvious, and I think Hikaru Shida will win, uh, sorry, will retain the title. Mm-hmm. But I think, and we'll talk about obviously the main event later on. I think we might see two people turning heel on the night, and I think one might be Doctor Britt Baker. I see where you're going with this, and. I had wondered if this was going to be the case. Yeah, I think if they are so intertwined, but like in a good way on AEW TV, Adam Cole and Britt Baker. Not well, like they are a couple of real life, so the, the chemistry is there. 
I, I know, but like some people are intertwined because oh look, they're a couple, and it really damages just their overall appeal. Seth Rollins, mm. Becky Lynch, for example. Yeah. So I think you know if one turns heel, it's sort of like do you know who they're like? Candice and Johnny on NXT. Yeah. You know they ride or die. So if you're going to do that, I'm going to do it too. That's the sort of team uh. they are. So I think Karashida retains, and I think Britt Baker turns heel after the match. But not until later in the night. No, no, no. Actually, in the match, like, she turns heel. Okay. Well, after the, after the actual match itself, but she will turn heel, not just not in the Adam Cole bit. Okay. But I suppose that takes us. We covered everything. So who, who are you going for? I think I'm so. going to I'm also going with Hikaru Shida. Right. I'll just take that down there. And then we can go all in on the main event. The main event has actually been really, really well built. You know, we have talked about obviously how we are maybe not a fan of some of the way things have been built. We can say that, you know, this hasn't been built. It, it was only announced about four weeks ago, but, you know, I think we've all known that that was going to be the main event for a while. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter so, if, they, if they were going to break up better than you, baby, sooner than later. See, I think that's the best thing to do, though. I think we've talked about this before. The best breakups, the most impactful breakups, are the ones you don't see coming. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you look at the Rockers, you look at the Shield. I think we all know better than you, baby, have a shelf life, but is it going to be, you know, this Sunday or, you know, what, you know, can they, can they coexist? Can they get along? Mm-hmm. But, um, like, um, you know, the, the two, it's like team hell no when they first won the tag titles at Night of Champions. It's like, well, can they coexist when they've been through anger management therapy, etc.? Yeah, absolutely. But let's talk. So obviously they are going to open the show on the pre-show, taking on Aussie Open, Mark Davis and Kyle Fletcher for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships. I like that it was MGF that put this forward. It wasn't Adam Cole. Adam Cole was banned from challenging for the world title. But once him and MGF became a team and got along uh, after the Eliminator Tournament, MGF still thinks that him and Adam Cole can be a championship caliber team and he wants to win the title. He said, I am an asshole, but I'm ready to be your asshole, which, you know, again, could be construed. No judgment. (laughs) But yeah, him and Adam Adam Cole's focused on getting that world championship. MGF is focused on being a tag champion. I mean, it it practically writes itself, but I'm wondering how this, I'm more interested in to see how this booking impacts the main event, because if they, if Better Than You Baby do win the Ring of Honor World Tag Titles, I think it's going to confuse things a little bit more. But then again, you know, you had Rollins and Ambrose win the the tag titles on the night uh, Roman Reigns left for his leukemia treatment, and then Ambrose immediately turned on Rollins. So, so I was going to say, there a Rollins sort of situation where, because I mm. think a lot of people are talking about, they're talking about 
MGF not being the one to turn. We're talking about Adam Cole being the one to turn. Yeah, on that's what I'm saying. But yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think Cole's in a better position to be the one to turn. Yeah. Because they have obviously done, they've done such a good job because much like with Jericho, where it's, it's obvious that he is going to get a face reaction. MGF has, you know, he's always been over, but the mm. booze have become slightly less recently. And it's just got to the point where maybe the time to turn them face. I know people, oh no, he can't be a face. He's a face. He can still act like a bit of a dick. You know, it's not the era of the say your prayers, <coughs> say your prayers, eat your vitamins, brother. No, it's like, it's the time of roasting. Yeah, it's the time where faces are certainly more layered and certainly not as one-dimensional as they once were. Yeah. So I think kind of like, really like John, like John Cena started off as a heel, but then people started to grow to like his 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 uh, can't even get my words out. His rap battles. Yeah. And you know, like, I think I think it's just it's got to the point where MGF is ready to become a face. MGF is ready, you know, to be cheered. And Adam Cole, we've saw with NXT, the classic black, black and gold, he just works better as a heel, doesn't he? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, if you look back at any episode of black and gold NXT from 2017 to 2020, I think, you could see how brilliant he was as the leader of Undisputed Era. And even right up to when they turned face against Pat McAfee's team inside War Games, people were cheering them regardless. And I like how, you know, I've been waiting a long time to see Adam Cole live uh, competing. And now it feels like two buses have come at once here. You know, you get he opens the show and he closes the show. It's, oh, you could, what more could you ask for? It's uh, It's brilliant. And, I'll have, and I've already I've already packed my undisputed era T-shirt in my in my rucksack for the the journey down. There's a, a bit in Forgetting Sarah Marshall where the guy goes at him. You're like the guys who say they watch The Sopranos. It's over. Find a new show. That's who we undisputed era. <laughs> Says the guy. Says the guy. Hey, that I want, the rock. I, I've I packed the, the rock. I want, I want, I've got. I packed my sidemen shirt as well. Like that's my new outlet you know, watching their content on YouTube. Moving swiftly on there. Um, <laughs> why go on, white boy? Anyway. Oh, for God's <laughs> sake. Please don't ever say that again. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd, I'd say living the now is a man who's packed out the rock t-shirt, you know, but anyway. Uh-huh, see, you can't say anything, can you? Okay. Anyway, that was the joke. <laughs> <laughs> Aussie Open v MGF and Adam Cole. Aussie Open feel a bit of an afterthought here, although they have been getting a lot of attention on AWTV. They defeated the Hardys this past week on Dynamite, uh, making it clear that MGF and Adam Cole shouldn't be looking past them. And I like that. You know, they they have an axe to grind. You know, this is although they are from Australia, Aussie Open, closing the name. <laughs> the the place they made their name was in the UK. They made their name in progress and in uh, oh fuck was the one Will Osprey's in. Uh, oh crap, I've forgotten. Uh, oh, Red Pro, Red Pro. There we you. go, that's it. Yes. Um, 
they made they made their name in Progress and Rev Pro during the Indies in England and you know they've been on Impact Wrestling recently and they've got a really good career behind them in New Japan recently became the uh, Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions they're absolutely right to be like no F you guys you know you've got a spotlight we don't and we want this to you know we want this spotlight but I I see MGF and Adam Cole winning I see it being a big triumphant yay we've done it mm-hmm. I don't see a turn coming until later in the night I agree. Yeah, I think if they walk away as Ring of Honor Tag Champions, they could, well, one of them, you know, if if Cole turns heel, walks away with the AEW World title, and then MJF has to defend the Ring of Honor Tag titles alone at All Out, then that'll be the moment where they could change back. Yeah, absolutely. I think think we will see, like, an Ambrose and Rollins situation here, as you Mm -hmm. mentioned earlier. But let's talk about the main event. Let's talk about... I liked the ending to Dynamite this week. Uh, Cole... Cole caught the super... Sorry, Cole went to super kick Sunday. They Mm -hmm. ducked. MGF caught him, and MGF stared right through him, as if to say, I know you're going to turn on me, because I'm going to turn on you, sort of thing. It was a, don't fuck me over. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, but they always seem to hug it out in the end. It's... uh, there's definitely the they're just waiting for the you know the the shit to hit the fan essentially you know with yeah, no. better than you baby yeah absolutely I agree um, let's talk about obviously the main event itself we've got the whole Roderick Strong situation he feels scorned he's been left behind while Adam Cole's teaming with MGF uh, right. you've got Mark Steven and Mike Bennett um, in his ear trying to you know say look what he done he abandoned you he abandoned you know, I see this being a ruse, and I think there I, might have been mm. your a new four man, four man stable. David, move over undisputed era because I can see mm. a, a straight stable. A revival, a revival of Ad- kingdom, perhaps. Maybe Adam Cole. You know, Matt Taven's got the kingdom uh, connection. Mm-hmm. Matt, Mike uh, Bennett, Adam Cole, Rock, Roddy Strong, Mike Bennett. And Matt Taven in a four man a, a four man stable. I don't know if you call it the king the undisputed kingdom, maybe? Ooh, that's a that's a hell of a ring to it, yeah. Again, what are the initials? UK. Where's the show taking place? Ah, undisputed Kingdom. I like yeah. it. There but you, you gotta yeah, throw I, you gotta throw you gotta throw Dr. Britt Baker or Maria Kanellis in there at least as I well. Think both, I think Maria will be there as the manager. I think Britt Baker will be doing her own thing, but she will be intertwined with them sort of thing. Because she yeah. turned heel, Cole turned heel. Because Cole started going face when Britt Baker started going face sort of thing. So they uh-huh. complement each other well without being so intertwined in the whole, they're dating in real life, the way the Becky Lynch, Seth Rollins storyline went. So, David, preparing my ears for you screaming like a little girl, do you think <laughs> no. Adam Cole is winning this I'm gonna Sunday. be I'm gonna be I am gonna be shouting Adam Cole baby at the top of my fucking lungs when he does that pose when he makes his entrance. Fair enough. Like you're gonna be sat next to me as well, and I don't care if I cause one of your ears to go deaf. I am <laughs> I'm screaming that at the top of my lungs. Fair and I think enough. Adam Cole is I think Adam Cole is walking away the winner here. You can sit next to Tom. I'm sitting at the other side. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Yeah, I think, uh, no, Adam Cole, definitely. I would love to see uh, an Undisputed Kingdom. I would love to see Adam Cole coming out as the biggest heel. Ironically, turning on, you know, at one point, AEW's biggest heel. I think MGF, ready to be the anti-hero, ready to be the sort of Steve Austin-style face character. And, yeah, I, I, I don't see this being the end of the feud, but I see it being the start of something special for Adam Cole. It's the start of something new. It feels so <laughs> right. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. Anyway, so just yeah. to... Recap. Oh, David, Cam- David Campbell will be pleased that I know the lyrics to High School Musical. <laughs> I didn't even know that was what it was. Anyway, moving on. Um, we have went with... Well, you have went with MJF and Cole, Hook, the acclaimed... Osprey, Darby Allen, Sting, Blackpool Combat Club, The Young Bucks, The Golden Elite, CM Punk, Bakara Shida, and Adam Cole Baby to win uh, at Wembley this coming Sunday. I went yes. MJF, MJF and Cole, Hook, Acclaimed. I went Jericho instead of Osprey, Darby Allen, Sting, Blackpool Combat Club. I went FTR to The Young Bucks, Golden Elite, Punk, Shida, and Cole. I So you and I only disagree on two there. The, yep. goal, uh, the FTR and Jericho matches. Are you looking forward to it, David? That's all I have to say now. You're looking forward. To it. It's going to be nine of us heading down loose mm-hmm. on London. I, I'm just so looking forward to this weekend. Yeah, as am I. You know, we'll just. I mean, obviously, we're going. The show's going to be on the Sunday, but we're going down Saturday. You know, it'll be. I, I imagine this is what it's going to be the feeling like for for Super Sunday, and I'm not a football fan by any stretch of the imagination, but it'll just be the camaraderie and the community, you know, just making a weekend of what is going to be the biggest night in wrestling. And we're all going to be there for the same reason. And it's just going to feel great, you know, being in that crowd of people where you all share a common interest and you just want to be entertained by by a, a massive wrestling promotion. By a who, big bunch of men and women in leotards. They took a gamble with Wembley Stadium. They went all in with their bets. And as we said at the start of the show, it's going to be a success, whether it be financially, uh, uh, financial success at least. It'll probably be great in terms of match quality as well. You know, you have a few standouts there. And all in all, the fans are going to win. Yeah, absolutely. They're they're going to drive its success. Don't get me wrong. Look, see at the start of this with, you know, all the punk carry on and all the... the, Some of the lack of build for certain matches. I think now that we've talked about it, I think I've realised it was a bit harsh to say there was no build. Um, And, you know, everything else that was going on. But see now that we've spoke about it, I mean... not because of the match, because of the type of match. I'm not looking forward to Stadium Stampede. I feel that everyone in the six-man tag with the Golden Elite and Bullet Club is a bit wasted. But other than that, this is a a, a, a nine-match, an 11-match show, nine matches on the main show, and I'm only annoyed at two of them, really. You know, because Hook yeah. against Jack Perry, I know I, I wasn't complimentary about that, but... You know, it's the it's the kickoff show, so I'm not really bothered. You know what I mean? It's 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 your yeah. starter. It's before these are, the main. These are, appeti- these, these are appetizers, yeah, just to uh, get your taste buds going. 
Exactly. So, listen, if it's an 11 match card and I only don't like three of the matches, I will be more than happy. I am absolutely buzzing to go there. I, I'm a lot more excited now that we've discussed it and we've. We're in the mood now. That's, that's what's happened. Exactly. We are, this will be coming out on the Friday. We're recording on the Thursday. So, of course, 18 extra matches will have been added by the time this show goes out. But. <laughs> I am just, I'm absolutely delighted uh, that we are going this Sunday. Uh, this, well, we're going to see it this Sunday. We're heading to London on Saturday. I'm absolutely buzzing. Any last words before we sign off? Um, just enjoy all in. You know, whether you're going to be at Wembley or not, because it looks like it's shaping up to be a very, very good show. Exactly. No, just enjoy all in, everyone that's going or everyone that's watching. Remember, you can follow our massive back catalogue. We did a central earlier in the week discussing all the non-AEW news. Uh, you can find that in our massive back catalogue of previews, reviews, interviews, and all the news. Eat, sleep, suplex, retweet, iTunes, Spotify, and all good Android podcasting sites at suplex, retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it. We are on it. You can follow what we're up to over the weekend. Apologies in advance for some of the posts. <laughs> I've been drinking. <laughs> Just joking. Um, but yeah, we will we will talk to you next week about hopefully one of the best wrestling shows ever. Speak to you soon. Bye bye. Hi, I'm Scott McLeod and I'm Grant McRobbie. We are the hosts of the monthly show on Eat Sleep Retreat East Meets West, where we'll bring you all the latest happenings, reviews, and big events from New Japan and the land of the Far East. You can remember to check out on the Eat Sleep Retreat podcast feed on all good Android podcasting sites like Anchor, Spotify, or iTunes now. Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.